We're turning to the Word of God. And we're turning to the book of Zechariah. We're turning to the book of Zechariah. The penultimate prophecy, the one before the last in the Old Testament. The one before Malachi. And we're at the third chapter. Zechariah chapter 3, and keep your Bibles open please. For we'll be referring to this powerful portion of Scripture tonight as the Lord has laid it upon a heart. Now, always in messages of the Word of God, especially ministry meetings, we always need to set the context uh, for what is happening and what we're going to say. And the context in this portion of Scripture here is that 42,360 Jews, known as the remnant, have returned from the Babylonish captivity. If you like, they were the advance party back into the land again. Zerubbabel the governor and uh, Haggai and Zechariah and Joshua the high priest were all tasked with the rebuilding of the temple and the uh, establishing again of the sacrifices. The prophets Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Zechariah all tell us, if we read those prophecies, that every stone that was laid in the foundation of the temple and every effort was made to offer up the sacrifices again, which was for many years when uh, Jerusalem was destroyed, was taken away from satanic powers, attacked them every step of the way. And when he couldn't stop them from without, he, he as he invariably does, when he can't get us from without the fellowship and outside, he comes within and he can come within and he can do more damage within than he can do without. He tailors to the situation. And when he couldn't do the real damage without, he, as you'll see in a moment, he came in. And we'll see this in chapter 3 and verse 1. Now you watch this very carefully because there's a host of wee things here that we need to take with us as we come along. Now, and he, now this he here, I believe to be the Holy Spirit. And he showed me Joshua. Now, the Holy Spirit is shown unto Joshua. You just get that into your head. He showed me Joshua, right? We need to be very careful that we identify our names in the Old Testament, because there are many Joshua's, there's 27 Joshua's right through the Word of God. And this is Joshua, the high priest, and he's named that again in verse 8, so that we will know that this is Joshua, the high priest. I was reading uh, where one of the modern writers said when Jesus referred to this uh, Zechariah here, 
when he referred to Zechariah in Matthew 23, he was talking about Zechariah that was murdered and his blood was shed between the porch and the altar. You know that scripture in, the, in Matthew's gospel, that he was not referring to this Zechariah, but another Zechariah, but it is this Zechariah that he was referring to, but the modernist writers say that he was confused and he didn't know what he was talking about. You'll always get the modernist to strike at the deity of Christ and attack the divinity of Christ. It's not the he's confused, it's they're confused. Our Lord's never confused about anything. And he knows the right names and he knows the right people and he knows you and me tonight. Now watch it again. And he, the Holy Spirit, showed me, Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Now again, you watch your identity because the, 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 the Zechariah and, and Joshua uh, are, are names that are quite used much in, in the Word of God, so we need to get them right. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto Satan, Notice Satan standing at the right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, O Satan, now in, in verse 1 and verse 2, you'll get Satan mentioned three times. So I want you just to hold that in your mind because we have the identity here and we have the adversary here. And to make sure that we know who he is, three times the Holy Spirit puts his name in here. So I'm going to read these verses again to get this into your mind. The and he showed me, Joshua, the high priest. He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at the right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Now twice Twice the Lord has rebuked him here, one after, you think once would be enough. But you'll see as we develop this message tonight, the seriousness of this. The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan, even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this Joshua a brand plucked out of the fire? Now we have the identity here, we have the adversity here, and we have the trinity here. Because the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuked thee. That's the Lord Jesus said unto Satan, the Lord Jehovah God rebuked thee. So again I emphasize the seriousness of this passage. The whole trinity is involved in it. Satan is inside the house of God. He's in the holy place. Think over that. So you have the identity here of these of Joshua and of Zechariah. You have the adversity here, Satan. You have the Trinity here. You have the Theophany here, the Lord Jesus Christ in pre-incarnate form. And you have the Trinity, the Theophany and the adversity and the identity all here. So I want you to hold that in mind as we read the rest of these scriptures. Verse 4, 
And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. I understand now here that the angels of God are standing round here, because many scholars say that, and he answered and spake unto those that stood before him. Now I want you to get this scene into your mind. Joshua, the high priest, is standing where he rightfully should stand in the holy place where only he was allowed to stand. He's standing before God and Satan's standing at his right hand, the right hand of power. He's standing and the angels are around him. And the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is all involved in this. I tell you, friend, this is a mighty, mighty verse of Scripture. This is a mighty portion of Scripture, and you need to pray inside that the Lord will show into yourself, that the Lord will show me tonight how to handle the Scripture, for it's so important for the church today. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with, clothe thee with the change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed them with the garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. There's the theophany again. You have that three times in this scripture. The pre-incarnate Christ is there standing, speaking, ministering. There you have it again in verse 6. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts. And I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, identifying them again, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. That's a lovely wee phrase. Men wondered at. You could take that for a text on a Sunday morning. Men wondered at, for behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch, and you have the branch in capital letters. That's speaking about Christ himself. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. And we know that God will bless to us the reading of his word. I want to call your attention tonight to what is probably the greatest of all pre-incarnate, literal, physical manifestations of Christ in the Old Testament. Let me say that again. I believe this is to be one of the greatest of all pre-incarnate, literal, physical manifestations of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. As I said last week and other weeks, he, he appears, the Lord, at times when we don't expect him. And he appears in ways that we don't expect him. He appears, as it says in Mark's Gospel, sometimes in another form. 
You remember way back in Genesis 18, he appeared to Abram as he sat at the tent door in the heat of the day. He appeared as a traveler passing by. He appeared to Hagar as, the, as, as her savior as she was barren out on the borders of Egypt ready to die. He appeared to Jacob and Peniel when he was wrestling. He appeared as the wrestler. He, he appeared to Joshua as the warrior. He appeared to Elijah as he lay under the juniper tree as the provider. Here in this text tonight, he appears in the house of God to Joshua the high priest as a counselor. As a counselor. And that immediately directed me and directs me to Isaiah 9 and verse 6. You needn't turn to it. That great Christmas passage. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. He wasn't the son born. He was the child born. He was always the son, the eternal son. He was the child born and the son given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, some of the scholars separate that. There are two different titles from there, Wonderful and Counselor. Well, you can do that, because he is wonderful, and he is a counselor, but I think it should be best kept together as the Wonderful Counselor. And he is a wonderful counselor. It's very sad that so many of God's people pay a fortune to go to counselors. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for counselors. There is. But some of them are not wonderful. Some of them are woeful. When I think of Job and the three counselors, that counselor, when he called them, they were foolish counselors. And there are a lot of foolish counsel going on when people should just come to the Lord and seek the Lord and, and seek the Lord for the... But I know counselors are good and they're needed. I'm not saying that. You can tie up the same scripture with 1 John 3. Listen to what John says in 1 John 3. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's the same word. The advocate and the counselor. Remember John says, if we sin, we have an advocate with Jesus Christ, the righteous one. John didn't believe in sinless perfection. He said, if, now he's speaking to believe, if we sin, and of course we sin. He says, if we sin. He says, we have, we, have, we have an advocate with Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We don't have to go to an earthly priest. We go right into the glory. We have an advocate with Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is our counselor tonight. He is, he, he is, he is our counselor. Now, the same word as barrister. The same word as comforter. The same word as paraclete. What a mighty word this is. What a mighty truth this is. We have, we have a barrister at our right hand tonight pleading our cause. And he's pleading your cause and my cause all day and every day, 24 hours a day, for he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Aye, we need to be thankful to God because I'll tell you only for him where the devil would wipe us out. He would have us wiped out long ago. 
Joshua the high priest needed, and I tell you, he needed help here. He's in dangerous ground here. Now, whenever or wherever whoever slips or falls in sin, Satan's not far away to accuse us. We know that very well. He's mentioned here as the adversary, as Satan, which is the adversary. He's the accuser of the brethren. And Revelation tells us that he accuses the brethren day and night. And boy, he he can hit you at night. When you can't sleep, and when everything's still, and these thoughts come into your mind in the night watches, boy, he revels in that. Day and night, day and night, he accuses the brethren, and he accuses of, of many, many things. This here tonight is the advocate against the adversary. This is some showdown. This is one of the greatest showdowns that you'll ever come across in the Word of God, the pre-incarnate Christ face to face with Satan. Apart from the temptations. This is a standoff in the holy place. In the temple. Not in one of his dens of iniquities. It's not in some bar or some hellhole or some sodomite hole where he belongs. But this is in the holy place. This is the place where only the high priest can go once a year. If any other man steps in, he's in on the point of death. Here we have Satan... And if you want to get further instruction on that, you'll get it in Job when he stood with the angels before God in, in the first chapter of Job. He's in here, in the holy place. This would make your blood coil. Do you know as I studied and meditated upon this, there were shivers came up my back. To, to, to know that we so, know so little about the activities and the power of Satan and his dirty work and where he would appear and when he would appear. God only knows. And sometimes, many of the times, he doesn't reveal himself. He knows better than to reveal himself. And he'll get us blaming somebody else or something else other than him. But here he's unmasked here in, in this mighty scripture in Zechariah, the high priest. He, he, the Lord has unmasked him here. And the whole trinity is against him here. The prince of darkness, the power of the air, the wicked one in whose lap the whole world lieth is standing in the holy place inside the veil. At the right hand, the hand of power of Joshua. And notice this now. He never spoke a word. Although he's the father of lies, he never spoke a word. All he had to do was to sneer. 
All he had to do was to nod, and all he had to do was to point at Joshua and the dirty, filthy garments that were on him that I explained in a moment. It's all he had to do. He didn't have to say anything. And let me say something else. Joshua never spoke either. God's minister, God's representative in the holy place, offering up the sacrifices, standing for the people and for the nation. Never spoke a word. Do you know why? He had nothing to say. There are times when we need to bow our head and shut our mouths and say nothing. You can't defend the indefensible. All Satan had to do was to point and to nod towards the garments that were on the child of God inside the holy place. That's all he had to do. And they never spoke. Of course, you have that too. And Aaron, remember the high priest again, uh, the high priest Aaron and his two sons, Nadab and Abihu, they offered up the strange fire in the temple and God just went in and he whicked the two of them out like this. He just struck the two of them dead and it says that Aaron held his peace. There's times we try to defend the family and Owen, we can't defend them. And it's only in our nature to defend our children, but there's times we better shut our mouths. And Aaron held his peace. What else could he do? Joshua never opened his mouth. Maybe he hadn't time. I, 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 I honestly think that he hadn't time to open his mouth. But the Lord just stepped in like that. He says, the, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. What does it say in the next book, Malachi? I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. This boy is in here to destroy. And there's no use in Joshua trying to defend himself and there's no use, friend, in you and I trying to defend ourselves against a power like this. He knows when he has us. And we can struggle and we can fight and we can run to counselors and we can run for prayer and we can do what we like. But at the end of the day, we need to shut our mouth and ask God to defend us. I will rebuke. That's for some of you tonight in this meeting. I will, God says, rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy your fruits of your ground. And he will not destroy your children. And he'll not destroy your family. And he'll not destroy your testimony. He's a liar and the father of lies, but he only tells lies when he needs to tell them. Doesn't need to tell lies here. 
Doesn't need to tell a lie at all. You have the similar situation in the wee book of Jude, Jude before Revelation. You remember in the book of Jude it says about the filthy dreamers, the sodomites that defiled the flesh, that were arrayed in filthy garments. And Satan was there. When there's always filth and dirt, he'll be there. For he's the author of it. You know, there could be a price paid for preaching like this tonight. Do you know that? Do you know when I'm praying and wrestling over these messages, I can literally feel almost the hand of Satan when you're dealing with this stuff. Because this stuff's not coming out today in our churches. These portions of scriptures are not being lifted out, and they're for us today, if ever there was a day. If ever there was a day, Satan needs to be unmasked and identified as today and as demonic powers and forces of evil and dark spirits. And when you enter into that territory, you need to be well covered in the blood. And you need to have plenty of prayer back in you. I tell you, these prunes and Jews, these sodomites arrayed in their filthy garments, and that's all it is anyway. Filth. And Satan was there contending with the archangel Michael. There are two archangels, Michael and Gabriel, the greatest of powers. And he was there contending with them. And I tell you, if he contends with them, he'll contend with you. He contended with Michael, with Michael over the body of Moses. And what did Michael say? Michael, Michael didn't rebuke him. He says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The same thing. I tell you, when you get down and the battle's on, and the, and the enemy's attacking you in your mind, and attacking you at night, and attacking you in the day, and attacking your family, you get down, don't you tackle him, don't you t- t- take on to tackle him. He says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. That's what we need to be doing in these prayer meetings. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, over the lifeboat. The Lord rebuke you over our families and over our children. Our children are not going to hell. You're going to see in a moment that we're brands plucked out of the fire and we're not going back to the fire either. <laughs> Indeed, well, I'm not on there. You can go back with your leg. He'd have just loved, he'd have just loved Joshua to say something. I believe that Satan would have loved Joshua to say something. Now, Joshua's filthy garments, and uh, some of the scholars say they were stinking garments. With excreta. Didn't represent Joshua, but represented the nation of Israel. That's the picture here. Represented the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, Jerusalem, the holy cities. That's what 
That's Jerusalem. Uh, the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem. It's not a personal attack on Joshua. He's, he's, he's symbolic of the nation of Israel. And wherever you get the nation of Israel, you'll always get Satan at his worst. But of course, you know, we can apply this to saints as well. Because there may be times, and maybe even in this assembly tonight, and there may be times, and there are times around the Lord's table, and in the Lord's house, and in the prayer meeting, that all Satan has to do is to point. That's all he has to do. Nod. Doesn't have to say anything. And the Lord has to agree with him, you know. The Lord might have to agree with him. wonder, would that be the case for some of us tonight? Our garments are anything but clean. Our hands are anything but clean. Our hearts are anything but pure. Satan just nod. Oh, yes, it can apply to the saint. Very, very much so to the saint. And maybe that is why we're in the state that we're in tonight. And he that hath clean hands and a pure heart that has not lifted up his soul unto vanity or sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. Are your garments clean? We sing that. Are the spotless? Oh, yes, we're robed in the righteousness of Christ. That you're going to see that in a moment. But my friend, listen, oh, there can be a stink of us. Of course, it can apply to the sinner. Oh, and the devil will tell the sinner, you're so dark and you're so blind and you're so filthy and you're so dirty, you'll never get saved. He's a liar. And he can tell it to the backslider, there's no hope. There's no hope for you. Look at you. Look at the state of you. He could say it to the prodigal, look at there's a smell of you. There's a stink of pigs of you. You'll never get back. But he got back. Glory to God, he got back. And no matter how down far the backslider goes, I tell you, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. No matter how dark and vile and wicked the sinner is, hallelujah, there's a Savior from all sin. If we'll only let him in, and no matter how far a fall down the saint has fallen, God will lift him. Because we have an advocate, we have Jesus Christ, the, way, the righteous. Now, what way does the Lord handle this? It's a very interesting the way the Lord handles Satan here. Well, he doesn't handle them like the way I might have handled them. If I was there, of course, I wouldn't have been opening my mouth either if I'd have nothing to say. I'd have had to flee from the place. And he nods his head at me every day, nods his head towards me every day, and you too. And if it's not the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses and continually cleanses from all sin... Where would we be? He didn't call him a liar or a deceiver. 
or he didn't tell him you'll burn in hell, and he didn't chase him out. He dealt with him with the word of God. Now, this is important today. He dealt with him with doctrine. He dealt with him with the doctrine of sovereignty. I delighted when the Lord showed me this. Verse 2, look at it. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord God Jehovah rebuked thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? See that we were chosen. That speaks of the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. He just goes to doctrine. Of course, many don't go to doctrine today for they don't know very much of it. Some go to counselors and not go to doctrine. They'll go to some church where they'll clap and they'll sing and they'll shout all night, but there's no doctrine. The devil's not afraid of that. The devil's not afraid of a hug, you know. Or a chorus. But he's afraid of the word. The Lord Jehovah has chosen Jerusalem, Israel. And he has chosen you and he has chosen me. Hallelujah. I'm the chosen of the Lord tonight. Why, I don't know. Why thousands round from man died with drink, hundreds died with drink, and terrorist activities that I went to school with and ran about with and fought with. And why I'm here, I don't know. Other than the grace and sovereignty of an eternal God. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we'll be holy, we be holy and without blame and before him in love. Now I want you to gra- get your eyes on this, these verses just to show you something before we come down to the end. Verse 2. Chosen. Verse 4. Changed. I will close thee with a change of raiment. Verse 5, crowned. Let them set a fair meter upon his head. Verse 5, he's charged. Verse 7, he's charged. Thus said the Lord, if thou wilt walk in my ways and if thou wilt keep my charge. And verse 7 is a lovely verse. Down, in, down into verse, verse, nine, verse 8 is a lovely verse. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. You know what that word wondered at? Conspicuous. People are watching them. People look at them. People see them. People see the change, the change. 
I wonder, did they look at you and I? Are we conspicuous for the Lord? Or the word curious can be used here. Are we, a cu- are we curious as people, curious about what we have and what we've got and what we do and how we live? Are we? Now what he's saying here is this. What he's saying to Satan here is this. This, the nation of Israel, we the people of God, we are brands plucked from the burning. And physically Satan, he's saying to Satan, you can't touch us. You can't touch us. You can't touch Jerusalem. You can't touch Israel. You can't touch my children unless I allow you to do it. Because he had to walk around Job's place and couldn't get through the hedge. Standing in the presence of the he couldn't get through the hedge. He went round it but couldn't get in because God didn't allow him. Then God allowed him in. There's times he allows him in. And that's for our good. I have chosen Israel. I have chosen, I have chosen the saints of God. I have chosen them and I have changed them from their filthy garments unto the robe of righteousness through Christ. And you can't touch them. You can't touch them physically and you can't touch them eternally. Is this not a brand plucked from the burning? Is this not a brand plucked from the fire and from the flames? Are you not a brand plucked from the fire tonight? Well, I certainly am. Are you not a brand plucked out that was about to be destroyed, plucked out of the fire? Israel is a brand plucked out of the fire and she's been in the fire year after year and day after day. She's surrounded the night with 26 Islamic nations. She's an island surrounded with 26 Islamic nations all baying for her blood. Oh, yes. What about the church? The church of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. And he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell and the devil and all his power will not stand against it because he's chosen of God. And the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The reformers and the covenanters, all brands plucked from the fire. Oh, I tell you, my heart's full tonight when I think of the Lord lift me out of darkness and bring me into the light of the glorious gospel. No, it can apply to Israel. It can apply to the church. It can apply to yourselves. Don't you think for one moment, child of God, don't you think for one moment that the devil can cast us back into the fire of hell? For no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. 
He says, I have chosen you. I have chosen you and ordained you. Being your mother's womb, he said to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I had chosen you and ordained you. And I'll tell you, when the Lord chooses us and ordains us and calls us out of darkness into light, he's not going to let us go back to hell. So away with that doctrine. And let the Scripture tell us whether that doctrine's right or whether it's not. You know Romans 8 and 28, everybody knows it. Many knows Romans 8 and 29. Whom he did foreknow. Him he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. He chose. And those that he predestinated and chose, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. You're going to stop there. You can't stop there. And whom he called, whom he has chosen, whom he has predestinated, whom he has justified, he also will glorify. I'll be taking the last bit out of it now. I'd like to take the last bit out, some of them. Oh, but I have sinned. Yeah, but if you have an advocate with Jesus Christ, the righteous one, haven't you? You have a lawyer and a barrister. And the devil's at my right hand every day or night. Well, let him stand where he likes. He's defeated. He's a liar and the father of lies and a defeated foe. Let him whisper in the night watches. Let him accuse. I hear the accuser roar of things that I have done. I know them all ten million more, but Jehovah findeth none. That's a brand plucked out of the burn, and he's not going back into the burn. He's not going back into the fire. He's my child, and he always will be. That's the doctrine of perseverance, the doctrine of eternal security. Doesn't give you lip to sin now. Well, you like a lot of boys just say, oh, I'm saved now, and I'm on my way to heaven. They can nearly do what they like. That's the doctrine of the devil. But here we're coming to a close because you not only see the sovereignty of God here, but you see the responsibility of man. Joshua had a calling. He had an anointing as a high priest. He had a responsibility as a high priest. He had an accountability as the high priest. Where do you see him? Where he should be? Where God ordained and called him to be? In the holy place, standing on behalf of his people. And that's where I should be. And I can say without boasting today, I have been there every day for every one of you. And there's not a day, and my wife can tell you, there's not a day, but I don't pray for every one of you by name. Because that's my duty. That's my job, for I have to go to the judgment seat and I have to give an account for what I've done here. He's standing. And the devil's standing. Tell me this. Maybe some of you know the scriptures. I'm sure you do better than I. Do you ever read of the devil sitting 
Oh, we read of him standing, we read of him walking. He walketh about as a roaring lion. We see him fall and he fell from heaven. Jesus said he fell like lightning from heaven. And we can see him moving quickly because in Judas, when Judas was possessed, Jesus said to Judas, go and do, go, go, go and do quickly, quickly. I never read of him sitting. If you can show me that scripture, I'll be glad of it. I, I haven't studied, but I'm thinking. I tell you, he's not sitting about at home watching television on a Sunday morning or Sunday night. He's not away twiddling about and tickling about the night at something that's not worth much or born up in eternity, let me tell you. He's about his business. Oh boy, he's standing and he's accusing and he's doing his work. To God that we would do it as well as him. Hebrews 10 and 11 says, Every priest standeth daily. It was the high priest's job every day, every time he went in before the holy place and closed the door to stand daily. And once a year he went in and offered the sacrifice for the sins of the people and offered his own sacrifice for his own sins first. He had to be cleansed himself first. He had to have all the dirty garments off. So he's standing. What's he standing doing? Well, I've already covered that almost. He's standing supplicating before the throne. And let me say this, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, those of you who start to supplicate before the throne of grace and start to pray for your loved ones and your family and for the things around you. I'll tell you, it'll not be long so the devil will be there. And he'll stand at your right hand and he'll accuse you and he'll say, there's no use in you praying. And times he's right. Oh, how we need to be clean when we come into the presence of the Lord before the Lord can defend us. He's standing there and he's approaching God and we stand through, we have the new and living way opened up to us tonight. And we're going into this room, some of us, and I know some of you have to go and you have other things to do and God bless you and thank you for coming. But we'll go in here, some of us tonight, and we will stand before the Lord and we'll plead before the Lord a new and living way opened up to us. That's our job, we're all priests. That's our duty. Friend, that's your duty and it's my duty. What was he to do? Well, he's standing and he's supplicating. (laughs) And lastly, I'm going to say there's many things I could say. Sacrificing. He's offering the blood. The lamb, the goat, the heifer. And that brings me to the cross. I tell you, we need to plead the blood. The blood, the blood. I was preaching 30 years ago at a meeting in Enniskillen. I think I told you this before. It's more than 30 years ago, 35 years ago. And I was preaching 
And this man stood up in the middle of the meeting, in the middle of my sermon. I knew who he was. He was George Allen that owned the automart there. Dead now. George Allen stood up in the meeting and in the middle of the message, the blood, Bertie, the blood, Bertie, the blood, Bertie. Now, whether I wasn't preaching the blood well enough for him or not, or whether he was reminding us of what he was doing, I don't know. But I never forgot it. We need to plead the blood, for we have no other argument. We need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Don't plead your own cause. Don't plead on behalf of the lifeboat. The lifeboat's no good to you. We need to stand before him and offer the sacrifices of prayer and the sacrifices of praise. Praise is a sacrifice, you know. That's why we need to keep praising. Don't keep your mouth shut in the prayer meeting, man. Praise him. Around the Lord's table, praise him. Man, the devil loves to see the dumbness around his table. And he said, what are you people doing here anyway? He knows what happened at Calvary. He knows about the blood. He knows about the bread. He knows about the cross. He knows about the price. He knows about Gethsemane, Gabbatha, and Golgotha. He knows, and he knows the victory was won. And he's wondering, I'm sure, why are these people not praising the Lord? Oh, well, I don't like talking in public. Do you not? You can talk plenty when you go outside. Oh, I'm I'm quiet, my man. Are you? Your wife, you ask her, she'll tell you whether you're quiet or not. <laughs> oh, I get all those excuses. Oh, I, I'm, oh, I'm just quiet, wee man. As you stood on your toe, you know whether you're quiet or not. Let me finish with this text. Always good to finish with the scripture. Revelation 12, you needn't turn to it, verse 10. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come my salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ. Listen to this. For the accuser of the brethren has cast us down, which he accuses us day and night before our God. And then listen to the next verse. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Do you know, we love quoting that scripture. We never quoted it right. I'm, sometimes I told young Tiger down there and talking to him one day, someday I'm going to finish texts, do, do a sermon or write something on text that's not finished. We quote wee bits of text and suits us, but there come bits at the end of it that, that where the sting is. Listen to this again. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. Hallelujah. But listen. They loved not their lives unto death. <laughs> That's a different thing. That's not coming to the cross. That's getting on the cross. And dying. 
Watch your back. Jimmy Armstrong used to say to us in Irma, watch your back. When we had a good meeting or a good mission. I remember coming down from Char one time in 1985. Char, or, 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 or Sister uh, Causey's father was saved. Levin saved and all went on with the Lord. Brian, Anderton, Carl, his, her father and mother saved. I remember Jimmy Armstrong saying to Bertie, watch your back. Just watch your back. He knows when to hit. He knows when to strike. Keep crying the blood. Keep standing before the Lord for your families and for your children. Keep her hands clean and her hearts pure. For the victory is coming and the blessings coming. And Jesus is coming and he's going to trample Satan under his feet. Paul says, the God of peace shall come shortly and bruise Satan under his feet. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, thank you for help with your word. Lord, we know that we're in territory tonight that the demons and the powers of darkness, for there's a very hierarchy of demonic powers. There's the devil and there's next to him principalities and then there's powers and then there's wickedness and dark spirits and evil spirits. But the very Satan himself engaged this whole business and Lord, we bless thee, O God, for the blood, for the cleansing, for the garments of Christ. We thank thee that we have put on the whole, gar- whole armor of God to stand and have done all to stand in the power of his might. Hallelujah, that we're cleansed and washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's power, power in the blood. And Lord, I just thank you tonight and praise you tonight. For all these dear people, brands plucked out of the burning, the devil would have had us in hell long and long ago. But he wasn't able then and he's not able now. And so we praise you, Father, and we thank you for your precious word. Bless those that must go. Those of us who join for prayer and praise, Lord, maybe tonight you'll come in power. Answer our prayer and accept our thanks in the Saviour's name. Amen.